there, my name is Sophie Waring and this is my podcast, Oversharing Waring, where I chat honestly and openly about what it's like to live with anxiety. Thank you so much again for all your comments and feedback on last week's episode. I really, really appreciate it. It's so comforting to know that I've opened up a bit of a conversation with people and I've had people messaging to say that they understand and that it resonates with them, which I couldn't ask for more. So thank you. So last time we chatted, I talked about how we wear a mask to cope with anxiety, whether or not it's deliberate or not. And in my case, it definitely wasn't. And I've thought a lot about how anxiety arises in a person and what the influences are, whether or not there's been an incident or that's happened in their lives or it's just arose from a difficult family situation or even more scarily, it's just come out of nowhere. And I think for me, I fell into the second category of having a difficult family life And I I hate to admit it, I don't like to say that, but I think a lot of the anxiety I've experienced has come from that. And what's been funny in lockdown is because I'm trying to dig deep for this podcast, I've sort of had to revisit things that have been very, very painful. And it's a bit like, you know that magician um, trick where he's pulling all this fabric from his sleeve, these scarves, these colourful scarves are just coming out of his sleeve and there's reams of it. And that's, it's been a bit like that. I've woken up in the night sort of thinking and and turning things over. But in a way, maybe that needs to happen. I'm not sure. (laughs) What do I know? Um, So I've kind of wanted to talk a bit more in depth this week about being a teenager and living with anxiety and let's face it for many the teenage years are tricky because you're trying you're no longer a child and you're trying to navigate new and unexplored emotions and in my family life to be honest that it wasn't a said thing but I I was incredibly suppressed I had to tread on eggshells a lot and appease and placate so there wasn't really in my head room to kind of be me if you like and I think the catalyst for feeling worse if if you want to call it that like turning a downward uh, corner is that my parents had gone to a parents evening um, and had a chat with Mrs Franklin about my progress It was kind of the end of before I was just about to start sixth form. And she told my parents I'd never amount to anything. Bloody charming. I don't know if I was there or whether or not they told me later. I kind of think now, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I don't think they should have told me that. Um, A, because no good could come from that. But B, because I'd heard that a lot throughout my childhood that I would never amount to anything or that I was nothing, basically. Uh, So to have someone say that outside the family 
home, it was really, really difficult to cope with. And I didn't really know how to deal with it. So I did what I've always done is just pushed it away. And the mask I'd kind of had in place, which I do think you you unwittingly have to put on to cope, just was more fixed. It was, it was, and I think I had a lot of negativity thrown at me growing up. So I just had this absolute deep-rooted fear of being stupid. So this mask to the outside world was on and you wouldn't have known that I was unhappy. Uh, I was always laughing and being silly. So it you wouldn't have known. And again, I didn't think to tell anybody anything. I just... I just accepted everything. But I was, I think, one of the things that kind of saved me, if you want to use that kind of terminology, is that I was lucky enough to go to boarding school with my brother. He'd already been there a couple of years because I'm older than him. And that gave me more of a safety net. I felt quite safe at boarding school. I mean, I was literally peak manic in those two years at sixth form <laughs> and but and I obviously at that time like a normal not that I don't think I was normal but a normal teenager is plagued by self-doubt and self-worth but I kind of had to work very hard to feel normal and I don't know if that's something that anxiety sufferers feel anyway but it certainly was the case for me I have to say it was still manageable then and I think if you are plagued by self-doubt and self-worth and you feel a lack of control that's where the anxiety will seep in and it was like a self-perpetuating thing so I'd feel anxious I'd feel panic and unsettled then I'd try and control the feelings which meant I was constantly modifying my behaviour to not feel anxious and to avoid feeling bad but actually being away from home for the first time meant I could slightly confront what had happened, what was going on at home and I could process a little bit those feelings. But you wouldn't have known and I, I, I didn't know how to deal with what was happening at home so I just was still laughing and manic. Um, I was always being told... Sophie, could you just calm down a bit? <laughs> and um, which is, God, I look back and cringe. Um, there was just there was like peak moment at boarding school when they had this vending machine with shandy in it, and I was just like knocking back the old shandy, and I just got so silly on it that they confiscated it. <laughs> from the vending machine and uh as you can imagine that didn't quite go down well with a lot of people oh my god the shame <laughs> oh dear I think um also you know boarding school is good for some people and it isn't so good for others but for me I had a mostly positive experience but I think what had started to germinate at that point because I'd kind of got some space from being at home, is that I had started to have quite a lot of unwanted thoughts. I had this kind of thing where I'd be talking to a friend or I'd be in the classroom 
working on something with somebody and I just had this urge to lash out to to hit hit out and it it was horrible it was really horrible obviously I never acted on it but I could almost visualize myself hurting someone and that's that's for me when it went up a notch because I was like hang on a minute what's happening what what why is this happening and I was seriously scared but again pushed it down and hoped that it would go away and actually I I did know at my core I was a good person and that I wasn't capable of hurting anybody but the the unwanted thoughts would make themselves known and I would have to sort of resist this the, the fear factor and just almost just distract myself and and to a certain extent that did work when I went to art school a, a couple of years later and fell in love for the first time it was the first time I kind of felt safe with somebody and I remember talking to him about my home life and I I, w- I began to see the world differently because I was getting older and realised that let I'd let someone in probably for the first time in my life and we were chatting about things and I kid you not I I just think I cried solidly for like hours and hours and it was such a relief to talk out loud about things about being told I was nothing and experiences at school of feeling lonely and isolated and it was a release I think he probably thought oh my god what the hell have I got myself into (laughs) with this girl um but I think my default has always to be negative and I felt like I was given a bit of a chance when I met this person to to be me and experience a little bit of freedom and I think for the first time I was starting to make decisions that weren't fear-based I think when you're frightened and anxious you begin to start to not trust your own judgment you're thinking I've got all these feelings happening to me and actually I feel destabilised. So I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to look outside for validation from my friends, in my relationship. And I've done that all my life, actually. It's only recently in the last 18 months that I've thought, no, look look in and, and don't be frightened because maybe it's not as bad as you think it will be. And I think it takes away the authority of of the anxiety of the fears that is held over you that you're going you're questioning it and that's an amazing place to be and instead of looking outside for validation and feeling stunted and making the same patterns of behavior and thinking and behaving a certain way over and over again in different ways over the years i've sort of thought right and it's taken me a long time to get here because I was unsupported and I had no self-belief and I never did think that I deserve better. And that's really painful to admit, but also it's okay because I don't feel like that anymore and it it isn't always going to be like that. You can make a change, you can shift. And I think 
that first relationship gave me the courage to 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 do that and and I had a lot of anger I had a lot of anger that was pent up and I think that might relate to the unwanted thoughts of wanting to lash out and you know I was wary for a long time and you know felt a bit broken and I didn't know if I was capable of someone loving me and when that happened it was amazing which (laughs) sounds so bad now saying it out loud is is a funny thing because it's only in retrospect which is you know hindsight's an amazing thing but I'm I'm glad of that I'm glad of that and I've been able to step away and peel away that layer of myself that was plagued by self-doubt so there you have it that's a little bit in a nutshell of feeling a lot of self-doubt and I think if you have got negative messaging that it, it is undoubtedly going to contribute which in a way has made me hopefully a better parent because I'm so aware of not going down that route and championing them if you've got people in your life that champion you hold on to that for definite so next week I have got a brave soul coming on my friend Ian who is going to chat to me about how he's coping in lockdown how the anxiety in his life has affected him and some coping mechanisms that have made him the person, the lovely person he is today. So I hope you'll join me next time. Thank you so much for listening. Lots of love to you all and speak again soon. (music) 